A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Part-Time Genius, a production of iHeartRadio. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So you know how in the 12 days of Christmas, like half of the gifts are just a bunch of random birds? It's kind of crazy, actually. You've got swans, you got geese, <laughs> you got turtle doves, the, the partridge. The whole song is like lousy with birds. Yeah, or foul with foul if you want to go full dad joke. <laughs> but it. Uh, it makes you wonder what the true love in the song is thinking, right? Like, like, what are you supposed to do with all this menagerie of birds? So we did some digging this week, and it turns out the answer is you eat them. Or at least that's the prevailing <laughs> theory, because most of the birds in the song were served at holiday feasts in 16th century Europe. I had actually not thought about that. So, so this means the song is basically just a menu, right? Pretty much. And if you're the kind of person who's listening to this and your mouth is watering and you're wishing you could recreate this bird-centric feast in your own home, well, you are in luck because there's a company in England named Heel Farm and it offers something called the 12 Bird True Love Roast. <laughs> I've actually got the order page pulled up here and, and I want you to see this, Will. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is something else. I mean, it's kind of like the turducken on steroids is the only way I could describe it. Yeah, the the company calls it a 12-bird roast because it's made with 12 different kinds of birds, one for each day of Christmas. But they didn't stop at just one of each kind because there are actually 48 birds crammed into this thing. <laughs> Eight different types of stuffing as well, but 48 birds, it's insane. Good Lord, this thing must be enormous. <laughs> yeah, and according to the website, the True Love Roast weighs about 55 pounds and it'll feed about 125 oh people. Oh my gosh. But it will cost you. It's 1100 dollars for the dish. So pretty steep. But on the bright side, delivery is free and each roast comes in its own large wicker hamper, fully prepared and ready to cook. (laughs) I like that they throw in the hamper to really seal the deal. You know, in case you were on the fence about spending a thousand dollars on a ton of bird meat. Now, you know, it's it's (laughs) worth it. 
Well, I, I like this fact because it's such a clear example of just how bizarre the song really is. I, I mean, I've probably heard it like a hundred times or more in my life, right? But it never mm-hmm. gets any less strange. <laughs> and I still don't really know anything about this song. And after asking around this week, I realized I'm not the only one who feels this way. So with the holidays upon us, I thought we could do our part by taking a closer look and then sharing what we consider to be the nine weirdest facts about the 12 days of Christmas. Fact one is that the song is actually a giant menu which means we've got eight more to go. Let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hatikader. And on the other side of the soundproof glass, chowing down on what he claims are three French hens. I really can't fact check this one that easily. That's our friend and producer, Lol. He does look like he's really enjoying it. He is kind of giving the game away by drinking out of that Popeye's cup. But also joining us today is our researcher pal, Gabe Luzier. It's been a little while, Gabe. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. Yeah, we brought Gabe out of exile, but uh, he's actually (laughs) the one who suggested we zero in on this 12 Days of Christmas theme for today's show. Gabe, what was your favorite one as a kid? Actually, it was this one. Like uh, my my family did this thing where uh, we would sing the gifts like one day at a time. So uh, we'd start on December 14th singing uh, just the first line, the partridge part. Uh, and then we just keep uh, you know, <laughs> so adding weird. on one day at a time until Christmas uh, when we would finally try to get through the whole thing. And I mean, emphasis on the try part, like we didn't always make it, but. <laughs> that is an amazing family tradition. I love that. Yeah, practicing the song in pieces does seem like a good way to actually remember that song, but I think you might be doing it slightly wrong, Gabe, to be honest with you. I like that you just heard about my family tradition and already you have improvements for it. That's, uh, that's really something. <laughs> I, I'm here to help. And it, it did line up with the fact that I already had on deck because one thing I always wondered is when exactly are the 12 days of Christmas? Like, is that even a real thing? And it turns out it is a real thing, but counterintuitively, the 12 days don't end on Christmas Day. They actually begin on Christmas Day, or at least that's how it works in some forms of Western Christianity, including Catholicism. So according to tradition, the 12-day span is meant to represent the period of time between the birth of Christ and the day that the three wise men brought him gifts. So if anybody out there really wants to recreate the song or sing it on the appropriate nights, you would start on December 25th, and you would end on January 5th, or sometimes known as the 12th night. Oh, wow. So 30 years of family tradition straight down the drain. Yeah, straight down the drain. <laughs> no, but I, I'm actually glad we're getting into some of the history of this song. That that sets things up nicely for my first fact, which is that the origin of the song itself is still a big mystery. Like the earliest written version was a poem in a book of nursery rhymes called Mirth Without Mischief. And the book was published in England in 1780, but historians believe the 12 Days poem is a lot older than that, and it may have originally come from France. 
But even though we don't know the exact origin of the song, there are a few theories. Uh, the best one is that it started as a memory game that kids would play during those uh, 12th night celebrations you mentioned. And hmm. basically kids would gather in a circle and they'd go around reciting the poem one verse at a time, much like my family did, until someone made a mistake and the player who messed up would be out of the game and the last one standing was the winner. So I, I, I did notice that you called it a poem just now and you said kids would recite it, not sing it. So was the 12 Days of Christmas actually written um, not as a song originally? Yeah, that's right. It, it actually wasn't set to music until the early 20th century. So quite a while. And until then, it was just a kind of poem called uh, a cumulative verse. So uh, another example would be that nursery rhyme. Uh, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. You know, she keeps swallowing one thing to swallow the other and mm -hmm. pretty much any poem or chant where you use pattern verses like that to sort of build out a narrative that's a cumulative verse well you know you know my first fact was meant to do some myth busting so one thing i've always heard especially online is that the 12 days of christmas is actually this coded guide to the catholic faith so the two turtle doves are, are really the old and new testaments the six geese laying are, are the six days of creation and so on the idea of this kind of stems from the fact that for, from the 16th to 19th century being a catholic was a in Protestant England. So according to legend, Catholic kids would sing the song as a way to learn about and profess their forbidden faith, while still kind of keeping it a secret from authorities. As alluded to earlier, none of this is true. There are actually a couple key points that poke holes in this theory. Uh, for starters, there's no reference to the secret history prior to the early 1990s, which suggests that the whole thing is just an internet rumor that, that got out of hand. But what's more damning is that none of the alleged hidden meanings make that much sense. Like, Protestants believe in all the same concepts that the gifts are supposed to represent. So the idea of Catholics having to kind of like hide this or disguise these concepts doesn't really hold that much water. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, well, here's a quick one. So we've already discussed how the song reads like a very bird-heavy menu, but there's at least one item missing from the song that definitely would have been on the table in medieval Europe, and that is mince pie. Made from a hearty mix of finely chopped beef, dried fruit, nuts, and spices, these mince pies or mince meat pies, they became a Christmas staple in Europe. Now, the pies were traditionally baked in the shape of Jesus's manger, which I'd actually never heard until I was looking into this this week. And a little figure of the baby Jesus would be placed on top of each one. Now, they must have made a ton of these too, because mince pies were actually eaten on each of the 12 days of Christmas. I can't say why the popular pies didn't make it into the song, but it's probably because a mince pie in a pear tree just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. I don't know how you guys feel. <laughs> yeah, that's somehow even less romantic than what we right. got. Like, that is a lot of mince pie. But uh, speaking of which, you know those five golden rings? Like, Of course. Oh, one of the few, it's one of the few gifts in the song that isn't a bird, right? Well, surprise, the rings are, in fact, also birds. <laughs> <laughs> According to bird expert Mike Bergen, the lyric is not a reference to jewelry, but to ring-necked pheasants. So as the name implies, those birds, they have bands of yellowish feathers that kind of wrap around their necks, hence the golden rings, which means that the fifth day of Christmas doesn't actually bring this grand romantic gift so much as it does more birds to eat. 
<laughs> it's so much less romantic. The five golden rings line always reminds me of that Eddie Izzard like part mm -hmm. in, in his comedy routine where, where he points out how people just go crazy for that one line. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but And then they go back to forgetting how the rest of the song goes. But, you know, we've got three facts left to go. Let's take a quick break and, and then we'll get back to it. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Well,
Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. We're talking about the alarming implications of the 12 days of Christmas. All right, Mango, it was your turn when we left off. So what do you got for us next? So I've got another lyrical misnomer that everyone seems to fall for. First, I want to acknowledge that there are lots of different versions to the song. And that's before you even get to the parody version. So in terms of different takes, like some variants include 11 ships of sailing instead of 11 pipers piping or nine bulls a roaring instead of nine ladies dancing. <laughs> but one gift that's present in nearly every version of the song is the one for the fourth day for calling birds. And that seems like a kind of a sad one once you realize that the birds aren't intended as decorations or pets, but as dinner, as we've mentioned before. And it's odd because you normally wouldn't eat a songbird, right? But the original line apparently wasn't for calling birds. It was for collie birds, hmm. uh, C-O-L-L-I-E. It's an archaic word meaning grimy or, or black as suit. And in reality, the gift isn't for beautiful songbirds, but it's for blackbirds ready to be baked into a pie. Wow, that is uh, pretty different, I think. <laughs> All right, well, there's been a lot of talk about bird eating today, and so it, it it falls on me to to put all of that binging in perspective, I think. So say you want to embark on your own 12 days of Christmas feast, but you don't have a 1000 bucks lying around for a true love roast. It will be a lot more work and some weird looks from your butcher, but you could definitely put together a similar spread for a whole lot less money. And the amazing part is if you stick to a single serving of each dish and you keep the recipe simple, you actually wouldn't come out too bad, nutritionally speaking. So take the first day, for example. A serving of roasted partridge has only about 200 or so calories. A pear is a mere 96 calories. In fact, if you added up modern equivalents for each of the first seven days of the song, including pheasant for the fifth day, you only have about 2,600 calories. So you could even eat all 12 dishes in the same day if you want to. And so when you factor in all the activities mentioned for the last five days of the song, you can actually get that countdown even lower. So is that what the song's supposed to be? Like <laughs> it's seven days of stuffing your face and then five days of desperately trying to work the weight <laughs> off? I mean, that's kind of what happens in, in, in real life. But that, that's one popular interpretation that the whole thing is about one big long feast and all the activities going on during it. In fact, there's an article in The Atlantic that really leans into this theory. So the author actually breaks down the average number of calories you'd burn during 30 minutes of each activity. So for instance, milking a cow for half an hour would burn about 100 calories. Dancing would shave off closer to 200. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the flute playing, which I don't know, this may surprise you, that would actually only burn a paltry 68 calories. It seems You're like doing it wrong. very, yeah, it feels like this very intense activity. But, you know, if you subtract all those energy expenditures from the 12 course total that we were talking about, you'd wind up with a little over 2000 calories. And while that's still a lot for one meal, it's way better than the 4,500 calories the, that would make up the average Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that that's probably closer to what you're looking at for a serving of that 12 bird roast you guys were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 48 bird, I think. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, that fits in pretty well with my last fact, which is about the ridiculous scale of gift giving that goes on in this song. I mean, because at first you think, OK, 12 days, 12 gifts. That's, you know, that's a lavish number of presents, but it's not unheard of. Right. It's it's not worrisome yet. It could this could still be, a, you know, a semi-normal situation. But then you remember 
the amount increases with the gifts, right? Two turtle doves, three French hens, all the way up to 12. So now you're at 78 gifts, which is too many. It is just way too many. (laughs) And then it hits you, right? This is a cumulative song, like I was saying. So you don't just get the new gift of the day. You also get all the gifts from all the previous days all over (laughs) again, which means that the total number of gifts in the 12 days of Christmas is a whopping 364. Holy cow. And and I have to add, if you consider the pear trees as separate gifts from the partridges, which really you should, you add another 12 onto that. So it's really 376. That is insane, especially when you remember that a large portion of those gifts, they're live birds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and the most troubling part is that somebody spent a ton of money on those gifts, on those birds. Like all those live performers, they were booked for multiple full days. That can't be cheap. And this is kind of a bonus fact, I admit. But there's actually a group of economists who crunch the numbers every year to find out just how much this full suite of gifts would cost. <laughs> it's called the Christmas Price Index, and it's released by uh, PNC Wealth Management. For 2019, it says these 300 plus gifts, it would set you back And because I know you're wondering the most expensive item on that list, it's surprisingly the seven swans is swimming. Apparently, uh, swans go for a little over a thousand bucks a piece. Wow. And and that's even before you have to like find a lake for them. I was actually going to say like the the landscaping fees for this orchard of pear trees that you suddenly own. It's pretty expensive. (laughs) Yeah. For as long as a song as it is, like there's a lot that goes unsaid. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but it's also kind of what I like about it. I, I mean, the lyrics are so specific and the more time goes by, the weirder and more out of place they seem to us. And yet we keep right on singing them anyways. It is endearing, but because of that wealth index fact and because this episode was your idea, I, I really think you deserve the uh, the trophy this week, Gabe. Yeah, and to, to go along with it, please accept this flock of wild birds that we caught this week, Gabe. You have earned them. Congratulations. <laughs> well, right, thank you, guys. That is just what my apartment's missing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's Part-Time Genius. It's so great to have you back on the program, Gabe. Uh, if you like our little show out there, please be sure to subscribe to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear weird facts and uh, maybe leave us a rating or a review. Uh, that would really make our year. From Will, Gabe, Lowell, and me, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful holiday and we'll see you in the new year. Part-Time Genius is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
and with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.